Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew, what we are about to put out there into the universe is really, really fun. Yes, for sure. We had a guest who, when the Bible says there's no guile, and this Hebrew, <laughs> something like that, I mangled yeah, it. This man, <laughs> yes. We had a man walk into our studio that we both love and respect. Yes. He just didn't even wait for us to say, let's record something. Nope. I think what happened is I said, I want to talk about legacy. And then Pastor David Hoffman just took off. Yes, he did. Here you go, guys. I think there's two kinds of legacies. There's the legacy that you can recognize, and there's the legacy that you're being blessed with that you, you're not even aware of. Mm. I'll give you some examples. I you want know, to hear that. Okay, so you often hear someone say, I've got this self-discipline. How could you do this? Well, I learned self-discipline from my parents. They gave me that legacy. You understand it. You relate to it. And, of course, that can be good or bad yeah. if you had bad parents then there's a legacy that you're reaping the benefits from and you're not even aware of it the founding fathers a lot of guys have done things in our country and no one knows about it i don't know about it but you and i are living in a blessed country because some of the things they did and i'm gonna bring this right down home to el cajon mark and i didn't want to move here you know why the surf was bad yes but the <laughs> nickname for el cajon was the pit yeah, yeah. now why well, years earlier, when they had councilmen, I'm not casting aspersions that they got money under the table, but developers came in here and just built all these apartment buildings. And when we came down here in the 90s, had very liberal council members, they couldn't see the value of a church, didn't care if anybody built churches, didn't care if you or I went to church. And if you want to go to church, fine, but leave us alone. It wasn't even in the city charter, right? No, nothing. So they treated us very badly. I mean, I could tell stories about how hard it was just to build out 8,000 square feet after they finally, because God gave them no choice. That's another miracle story. Yeah, it is. So they gave us such a hard time. You couldn't go in a park and feed the poor. You, you couldn't do yeah. anything. So we said, you know what? We're going to start running Christians in every office in El Cajon that we can find. The first one we did was Bob McClellan. I remember going to soup exchange so i went to soup exchange uh bob mcclellan owned mcclellan buick gmc and he had a great reputation i said bob you gotta run and he just looked at me eyes wide at me he goes are you kidding me Why i said would no i want to do I, that mark and i've been praying we want you to run he goes blah, blah, blah. well anyway so after <laughs> god finally spoke to him and not finally but god spoke to him he ran he got more votes than any candidate for city council in the history of El Cajon. Wow. One of the council members at that time, council member Ramos said, I didn't know that there were that many Christians in El Cajon. Well, see, completely missed it because we went door to door, knocked on doors, I did. And most of the people who voted for Bob McClellan voted for him because he had name recognition yep. because they knew he was honest. So just to make a long story short, we kept doing that, uh, ran another one. Then it was time for mayor. And we had long conversations with Mark Lewis, I'm going somewhere here, okay? I'm not just telling you a story. Okay. So, um, 
it began to be noticed. Mark and I didn't want to interview with anybody. The union, the TV stations, just leave us alone. The quieter we are, the better. Then one day I got a call from the um, London Times. Every your wife comes in because your wife's my, been my secretary for right. 27 years. Shout out to Sylvia. So she said, the London Times is the phone. They want to talk to you. Sure they are. I said, the London Times. <laughs> Put them through. This I have to see. This is in London. What the heck? So they had heard what was happening at El Cajon, and they wanted to know, was this a Christian revolution? You know, all this kind of stuff. Wow. And I thought, Lord, give me wisdom. And then, wait a minute. I said, well, this is not just Republicans. We're staunchly behind a mayoral candidate who's a Democrat. There was silence on the end. I mean, they so that went on a long conversation. I said, we just want people who have good understanding of the economy, of society, how to spend money, all that. And she was just flabbergasted. So the reason why I bring that up, I'm going to fast forward till today. Elkhorn's a good place to live. Not only is it a good place to live, we absorbed almost 50,000 Iraqis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 50,000. Now, the Democratic Party, they want to get rid of Duncan Hunter. God bless them, because the Democratic Party they, they thought these people were going to be Democrats. Yeah. But these lovely Iraqis, they embraced capitalism. Yeah. Embraced it, man. So they fit in here wonderfully, right? And then the whole culture changed here, especially. They start getting rid of these apartment buildings, start building condominiums, because, well, you have to have some low income and all, all that. But sure. alcohol has changed. Now, <clears throat> so there's the legacy that you're aware of, but there's a legacy that you're even saving Private Ryan. The first 10 minutes of that movie, it's just mind-boggling to me. It is. My father, he couldn't watch it. My dad walked out of the theater, if I remember correctly. He said, Dave, that was, that's how it was. Yeah, it was horrible. Those guys gave their lives. So there's two kind of legacies. What I think is not humorous, but interesting, is that people, especially men, Christian men, start thinking about legacy in their 60s. Whoops. Yes. Now, <laughs> some of them got money. If you got money, you can do something. But if you don't have money, what are you going to do? Right. You roll up your sleeves and you start working in the church, and you know Al, Al Green? Sure do. He started working with us in Cuba when he was how old? 65, 67? Yeah, he was my age. Yeah. And he left a legacy. He, he sure did. did. Thousands of people know who he is in, in Cuba. It's not too late. It's just the opportunities are a lot less limited. I was talking to my daughter, lives up in Northern California today, yesterday when I was with her. And I was talking about how you're working at Santee Youth Venture. How old were you when you started working in a teen center? Oh, 60-something. <laughs> and I did it because I figured, you know what? We don't have enough volunteers. That's right. I figure if I'm going to ask someone else to do it, if I can't do it myself, how can I ask them? But I'm almost 70 years old. I can tell you right now. One of those junior high boys walk in, and they see this old man there. It'd be better if he had a 25-year-old young woman or young man that loved yeah. Jesus in there yeah. than me. But you really are an example. Really, Dave, I've been blown away by that. It's kind of like Bill Wilson driving a bus. Go out there and do it. And but I would love not to do it so yeah. it, because it, 
Come replace it me. It would be better. Yes. Yeah, totally. I totally get it. The thing is, is the shoulders that we're standing on. Like you're talking about Private Ryan. That's a great example. But here in East County, there are pastors who are no longer here. You had a unity pledge and a whole bunch of those guys aren't here. Yep. But guys like Al to some degree for sure, George Runyon, and other guys that you know who worked really, really hard and maybe did not see the breakthroughs that we've seen in this generation that we're in and now handing off to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing in this transition that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. We grow up these young guys. Well, we call them young because they're younger than us. They're not all that young anymore. They're seasoned and we're handing them off and you're in that part of your legacy. What's that like? Mark and I have seen this transition, this handoff done horribly. Yeah. Anyway, we started thinking about this a long time ago. That's one of the keys. One of the, one of the mistakes that guys made, especially founding pastor who started the church, they don't want to let it go. It's who they are. They like people knocking on the door and ask, they're the guy that everybody has to come to, and they don't want to give that up. How are you getting past that? Did you have to deal with it yourself? Yes, of course, but here's what you do. Years before, when doing the thing, which is giving it over to somebody else, is way in the distance. You plan everything. We want this to happen, this to happen, and you put a date on it and so forth. And I purposely got this thing rolling. Uh, well, Mark and I did. Purposely got it rolling in such a large fashion that I knew I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> so transition is important. You and whoever listening to this can pray for me. I think... I don't know. I think like Mark and I are maybe supposed to work together and put out some kind of a booklet or something for churches that need to transition. I think you should because God's in it. Here's another thing. We saw this years ago. You have a church and there's a bishop or whatever over it, a superintendent. And denominational churches, you know, the average stay for a pastor is like five years. So you're shuffling all the time. The congregation's used to it. But there's a good thing about that. You know, this guy's retired. We just have a new guy. They shift them all around all the time. And that was one of the reasons. How does that concept of transition relate to outside of the church? Okay, because this is for churches and it's something that's hard for churches and they can learn stuff. But we're all getting older and we're all transitioning. Large young businesses, sons. they have boards. These large boards are very powerful for taxes and everything. And these guys get put out. They get put out to pasture. If they don't do it on their own accord, what happens? They get, you know, you're still a multi-billionaire, whatever. But innovation, when you get older, it's not that you don't want to innovate. It's too easy to see the problems and blah, blah, blah. I believe when Neil takes over, really takes over, he's going to come up. Good luck, because you're going to be at the front for the He's, he's told gonna, me. He's made it very clear to me. He's going to come up with, he's going to, there's a flurry of things. Yeah. And that's where I think I can help him, um, because some people aren't going to like it. Here's another thing. In the transition process, I have to fully submit to him. Yeah, how are you going to do that? It's very simple. You submit to him. You can't have a general that's retired trying to still lead the army. The great lesson. Great. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. I guarantee it. That's just not going to be, you're talking about legacy. That's not a legacy. I'm going to, to, to be a problem. Awesome. I need the greatest gift that guy has. I want you to share what the Lord is speaking to you 
right now these days, the current word, and then I want you to pray for this family that's listening. Okay, I have to remake myself. I'm going to stay superintendent of the schools, but every time you say, I'm used to making a decision, that's it. You know, but now, before I want to make a decision, i got to talk to Neil first. That's going to be a big change. And 99% of the things that I'm going to talk to, I'm sure he's going to ag agree with me just because they'll probably be logical. But that's going to be a new thing. I have to remake myself. I'm the retired, aged one. The emeritus? <sighs> emeritus, founding pastor. I don't know what they're going to call me. Guy who's slowly fading away. I don't know. <laughs> the fading light. Dave Hoffman, the fading light. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Mm. I don't think okay. so. Anyway, I'm trying to figure out. I lead this pastor's meeting once a month. I've talked to some of the guys and said, you know, one of you guys should probably take us over. And everybody's, oh, no, no, no. I like to think, oh, it's because oh, I'm so anointed. No one wants to do it. <laughs> it's work. No one wants to do it. It's like herding cats, man. It's like <laughs> unbelievable. By the way, if you haven't read, not Mark's devotional book, the other devotional book that we hand out, yeah. was a, the devotion for today, there's an example in there about the difference between dogs and cats. Okay. I, I wish I could read it right now because it is, my wife and I, we died laughing. And this is the 22nd yeah. of November. So everybody that's listening, go to the 22nd of November to learn about dogs and cats in the devotional. Also read Mark's, which was very well, you know good what? today too. I think I might be able to remember. Okay. Is on perspectives on life. And that's really kind of what we're talking about. A dog's journal. Got up at seven o'clock. Ate food. My favorite thing. Went back to <laughs> nine, No. Nine o'clock. Went for a walk. My favorite thing. 10.30, got a treat, got rubbed on the back, my favorite thing. At noon, went out and played in the yard, my favorite thing. Three o'clock, I got to go to the dog park with my master, my favorite thing. <laughs> Five o'clock, I ate dinner, my favorite thing. 7.30, the kids, we all sat on the floor and watched TV, my favorite thing. <laughs> 8.30, I went to bed with the rest of the family, my favorite thing, a cat's diary, day 893 of my captivity. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Is that, I mean, that's, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> day 893 of my captivity. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a cat. Oh my gosh. We just oh, lost all the cat lovers, uh, man. Right, We're all gosh. tuning out. Okay, so. So we're good. Pray for everybody. Since you asked about me personally, guys, I just live one day at a time. As I just preached this last um, Sunday. And it's one of those things where I don't know you can plan it. You can kind of plan it, but I think it's going to be different than I think. Yeah. You just have to be open to where God's leading you. Mary and I have never done a, any kind of marriage thing together. It was kind of scary. We did this last marriage thing. We did a session. And it went 100 times better than I thought it would. And afterwards, I was praying to the Lord, Lord, do you want us to do this again? We could probably come up with another session. We could go around and do this. Because, see, our marriage was, I'd say horrible, but that's not bad enough. Yeah. I survived cancer. That was eight years ago. 
as far as I know, I'm healthy as I can be after eating very poorly my whole life. I can tell you, all those many years ago, going up and committing my life, I was already Christian, committing, Lord, I'll do whatever you want, and I've told that story many times. From that moment, it was like God shot me out of a cannon, Kevin. So I knew what I was supposed to do. Boom, 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 boom. So I, I'm expecting that to be similar. You know, every week we give away one of the pastor's books. And so I brought three with me. We give these books away and we hear from people how it impacts their life. This is part of our family, part of our culture, the books that you and Mark have written. So the thing that hit me from Fear of the Lord that hit me the strongest, and I had an, I have a note that I've carried around in it ever since I got this copy, and it's Isaiah 8, 13, and 14. It says, Is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary. One thing that I didn't have developed in my life before I came to Foothills is fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I worked it out the hard way and got fear of the Lord the hard way, understanding the consequences of my actions, understanding that he was real serious about creating me into the image of Christ and he wasn't gonna wink at stuff. I knew all about the love and the grace, but I learned more about his love and grace and how expensive it was cheap grace was how I was living. And so fear of the Lord is one of the impacts that you've had, and that's the fear of the Lord. The main reason why I was moved to write that book in, in the first place, to think about all this, is I saw all these guys that, that I knew as pastors falling into sexual sin, you know? Mm. They do not believe that they're really going to have to suffer any consequences. You don't put your hand in a fire because you know it's going to hurt. Yeah. By the way, that scripture you read, is a Bible verse of mine and has influenced my life. If you want God to be your sanctuary, and what's a, a safe place, right. a place where you can go and you can sense his presence, you can get, you can give things to him and he'll, the Lord will take it from you. And when you worship God on Sunday morning, you want to sense his presence, you got to fear him. And then on the successful Christian life, this is the newest one. I, contentment, I think, came next, and then this one. Let's talk about contentment, because what's your second? Okay. What that book is, is um, we're riding in the car, and I'm complaining about something. Uh, oh, the car that, it was just, <laughs> we had these old cars. <laughs> when we had the kids, they're always breaking down. And we didn't have money to fix them, so I got my head under the hood and trying to fix them. And my wife says to me, you're always complaining about our life. It makes me and the kids feel like we're just a burden to you. And I, that really, so, that, you know, okay, what is this contentment thing? Whatever it is, I don't have it. <laughs> so I went to the book of Philippians. I went through the whole thing. That's what that book is. Yeah. It's one chapter at a time. It is amazing. That whole book is about contentment, how to find joy and peace in your life, and whether you have a lot or you have a little, that's what that book is. And um, when people read it, they come to me all the time, oh my gosh, you're really speaking to me. And I'm thinking, yeah, because I was right where you are. I yeah, mean, I was- so you understand. But you hit the nail on the head. I preached a whole series, but it was to myself. There we go. And I, it, when it says rejoice in the Lord always, 
Mm-hmm. And then he repeats himself. You just preached that this weekend. And again, I say, rejoice. It's nice to know someone's listening. I'm listening. So legacy is what we started off. We wanted to talk about this is what we can end up with because this was important to me. You've been a Christian a long time. You had to learn how to endure. And you use the scripture in your book on successful Christian life and the essential verses, Hebrews 10. And it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now you put your money where your scripture was, your money where your mouth is, when some county official came and put a sticker on our door and said, cease and desist. And remember told that? Us, I absolutely remember and that. I had, I'm the one I, that took I it off the door. What I think is is they put it on the door, the furthest door away, and it took us maybe even more than a day to even find the blasted yeah. thing. That was an incredible day in my life. I read that thing, and I went, shut the door in my office, and I had to make a decision. Yep. Was I willing to get arrested? Was I willing to have people come and arrest me and go down in jail? I laugh now. Yeah, but you decided yes. I heard well, you. You made it very clear. What happened was I started thinking about my Christian brothers and sisters who are being tortured, hung upside down, all, all kinds of things. I can go to jail in San Diego and sit there for an hour, hour and a half, and a, a lawyer will come and get me out or some someone will, will bail me out. I don't want to, but I can do that. Compared to what they're doing, yeah. nothing. And so, anyway. So that's a key to endurance. The key to endurance is assembling together, not forsaking that. That's part of how uh, You know what I think is incredible about that? They're having the same problem way back then we have now. Right. People think, you know, I just stay home and sing to God here and walk in the fields and yeah. worship my God. Uh, no. Well, yes, you can. Um but what I always thought was interesting is persecuted Christians, the first thing they want to do when they have any kind of freedom, number one thing, you know what it is? They want to meet together. Yeah. They want to meet together. They want to worship together. There's something supernatural about it. You just can't get on your own. And you know, the example that you used at the end of that chapter, a pastor has to drive that point home to somebody who's arguing with them, like, I, you know, the forest can be my church. And he said, okay, let me show you what happens when I take a tong into this fire in your fireplace and I take a coal out and I let it set by itself mm-hmm. instead of being in the fire with the other coals that are together. And on its own, he just watched it turn black and go out, build a bastard. We'll be in church next week. <laughs> yeah. That's a good example. Yeah, it's a great one. Lord, um, I just pray for every person listening. That's something we talked about today is a blessing to them. Lord, uh, you know one of my prayers, well, what's my main prayer when it comes to being a pastor, is you would help me to inspire and motivate people to follow you. So I pray that happened today. Yeah. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father Matt and I pray for our pastor. Thank you for the gift 
he's been in one more month <laughs> inspiring us and motivating us to follow you closer and closer and we ask lord that as you unfold this next chapter a day at a time like he said that it'll be a great joy this season this fourth quarter whatever ninth inning whatever it is father that you would continue to give him health that you would give him energy that you would give him vision because we know father that you're not done with him yet we give him a long life lord and we ask that as well in jesus name amen, amen.